Okay, let's go ahead and get started. I'll watch, make sure you guys join in. Y'all ready? Sure. Yep. Hello and welcome to RazorPod. This is your host, Patrick Williams. Tonight is the 4th of September, 2019, and we are coming to you as the home of the 1-0 Arkansas Razorbacks after the thrilling 20-14 victory over the Portland State Vikings this past Saturday at Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. Johnny Fable, a lot of teams would like to be 1-0 this week, wouldn't they? I'm just glad I can hear y'all. <laughs> uh, I believe Jimmy G, the Tennessee Vols, would love to be 1-0 this week, wouldn't they? Uh, yes, they would. As would the <laughs> South. <laughs> they don't call him the best color man in sports for nothing, folks. <laughs> <laughs> As would the South Carolina Gamecocks, Johnny Fable. Yeah, the SEC just kind of sucked it up a little bit this week. I mean, I'm having a discussion with a friend of mine who watched a lot of SEC football um, on Monday, and you know, and he made a his his assertion was is that seems like the the rich are getting even richer in the SEC lately. Um, You know, it seems like Alabama, Georgia, perhaps LSU, seem to seem to have separated themselves even more from the rest of the pack. We'll see what the rest of the season holds, but it sure did look that way over the first weekend where, you know, five teams lost their opener, some in kind of embarrassing fashion. Even the Razorbacks, who technically won, really looked unimpressive. So it's a – I don't know. We'll see what the, what the conference looks like. You know, get about halfway through the season, get a couple conference games under everyone's belt. But um, I don't know. There's some teams really struggle that you wouldn't expect to have seen. Yeah, uh, Missouri was a little bit of a surprise. Not that I'm ever surprised when Missouri loses, but, uh, you know, going on the road in Laramie, never an easy thing. Um, but the biggest, I think the biggest uh, sort of upset or, or unexpected one was Tennessee's loss from an SEC perspective. And Tennessee, man, I mean, you can ha- say all you want about the Razorbacks sort of downturn over the last few years. Tennessee has fallen into a pit, and I, it's hard to see them climbing out. I mean, you lose to Georgia Southern or Georgia State or whoever that was, and and not just lose. I mean, they got they were down pretty much the whole game. That's that's a program that's got issues right now. So, um, well, yeah, I'll, I'll chime in there a little bit. And it's something we probably need to be, you know, we don't need to make too much fun of. They had a lot of turnover. They had a lot of, um, uh, uh, they went through a coaching carousel there for a few years, and it just really, really hurt them. Um, You know, that's why going back all those years when Jeff Long made the move with Petrino, we we realized, you know, if this doesn't go right, it could go horribly, horribly wrong. So, you know, hopefully we're not on that coaching carousel. And set this. I mean, Tennessee hasn't been a major power in college football in what fifteen years, probably. Uh, yeah, ten or fifteen. I mean, I'd years. say early two thousands. So I mean, yeah, I mean, they, when you know they, they had some good teams in the late two thousand, late uh, you know two 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 thousand seven two thousand eight had some pretty decent teams. Some of Fulmer's last teams, but once Fulmer left, they really went on a. On, on the coaching carousel, and it, it, it's just really thrown them for a loop, and they haven't recovered. Yeah. Uh, well, I do want to talk about the Razorbacks. So, Jimmy G, I'm going to turn to you first. 
um, the overall thoughts on the game and was it as close as the score would indicate? Uh, well, first, I mean, I guess it's always good to, after a two-win season to open up with a win. So, um, you know, it's 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 a win. But I, I don't think the game was as close as the score indicated, but I also don't think it was uh, a dominating performance by the Hogs who just happened to look close. Um, I mean, we outgained them by quite a bit. We had two, three turnovers. Uh, we forced three turnovers. We only turned it over once. Um but, you know, there are a lot of things. Obviously, you went 20-13 over a middling FCS team. There's uh, some concerns. Uh, just the sloppy play, some of it you can contribute to game one. Uh, we probably shouldn't be doing this, but it's probably human nature. The, the, most fans and the kids on campus or whatever have probably been talking about the Ole Miss game. So our coaches surely didn't care about the Ole Miss game last week, but you know it's just kids. They're eighteen to twenty-two. They're um, there's a conference game in week two, and you're playing a team that you know even as cruddy as we were last year. Eastern Illinois is about the same as Portland State. We blew Eastern Illinois out to start the year. So I'm sure there may have been some look ahead. Um, the coaches, uh, a lot of they weren't looking ahead. I think they were focused on Portland State. They also didn't show the whole playbook. I mean, Morris said after the game it was pretty vanilla what we ran. Um, Do you believe I, that? Well, that was going to be my question for you, Johnny. I mean, that that seems like a little bit of uh, ex post facto um, statement from the coaching staff to kind of to kind of uh, cover their butts, I guess, so to speak. Well, well, if if, if, it's, if true, it's true, it's extremely, extremely arrogant. arrogant. Because we're not because that we're good. not that good. To, to say that to we say can, that we can. Hang, I got a little bit of an echo. Yeah, I got a little. Yeah, Johnny, you're on twice. I'm going to remove Johnny two from the stream. How's that, Johnny? Much better. You guys hear me? Yeah. Yep. So, I, I, if it's true, and I don't know if it is or not, it's extremely arrogant. You know, we are not. We're we're coming off a two win season. Who do we, who does who do we think we are? I mean, you know, we keep hearing, you know, th- this offense. Oh, we've only got thirty percent of our offense. Oh, we've only got sixty percent of our offense in. What is this like? The you know, did did Albert Einstein come up with this offense? Is it is it so damn complicated? I mean, I, 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 Jim Harris said it after the game, and I totally agree with him on Sports Zone. Let's get good at one thing before we try to do this Albert Einstein Mensa offense? Because obviously it's something we're struggling with. Uh, what are y'all's thoughts? I, I just, I, I just, it's hard for me to say, oh, well, you know, we just, uh, we're two and 10, you know, we're, we, the, the cupboard was extremely bare, but we're not going to show anything against the team. Uh, we're going to get in the fourth quarter and they're going to have the football with a minute left and tire win. We still want to show a lot. We were just playing it, playing it real conservative. I, I, just, I just, don't agree with that. That was what the intent was. Now, I don't, I don't think it was to hide it from Ole Miss. I think it was because we had a bunch of new guys on offense and they hadn't learned it yet. So whatever they want to say about, you know, it's, it was vanilla because we wanted to hide it for Ole Miss. I mean, that's coach speak. That's what you say when you dumb down the offense because you guys hadn't learned it yet and you're starting a bunch of damn freshmen. So 
I think it was probably true, but not because we were trying to be smarter than the average bear and, and hide what we were doing from Old Miss. G, what do you think? Uh, I mean, we had 11 starters on offense that are new. Um, that's, I mean, you're starting a whole new offense, so I don't, I don't know what <laughs> we expect with like his whole. Obviously, you're not gonna be able to run the whole thing. Uh, as far as the play calling went, you know, it was iffy. I mean, I thought, I know that some of the comments we had after the game, uh, you know, with amongst ourselves, it was some people thought. I thought we ran the ball okay. I mean, Boyd's obviously an SEC back, an all-SEC top back. I thought we got away from the run too much. I thought we got too cute. Um, I thought we tried to force some things, and then Hicks was just a little off. I mean, it's the game one. I don't like going to read too much into any of this because it, it's game one. So, uh, I don't, yeah, it's probably a bit of everything. And I don't think that um, – Craddock did a good job on Saturday. He as much as admitted it after the game. Um, and now if we start seeing these same patterns over, especially games three and four, or obviously Ole Miss Saturday night, and then games three and four against Colorado State and San Jose State. This stuff's still going on. Um, yeah, it, I mean it's worrisome now, but it's time to really think what, what the belief is happening with our program. Because these are things that need to be fixed. And I think the most damning thing about what's going on with our program was the end of the first half. Um, you know, Morris said he called for him to spike it instead of grad assistant. Well, you know what? Who cares? A junior high quarterback can see the clock is about to expire. Spike it. I mean, that if, you, if our players are so bad that they can't even, like, look at the clock and make a decision for themselves, I mean, you know, Stark has started some SEC games before. It's not – I mean, it's not like he's Pee Wee Pop Warner quarterback who's just <laughs> playing his first game and can't see a clock. I mean, Spock it. I mean, that's a joke to me. And the explanation was the grad assistant was given the sign to run the same play again. Oh, the same play in the flat for a three-yard gain with four seconds left? <laughs> that, that's, if, the, if the grad assistant was calling for Jared Goff to come in the game and play, I mean, who cares? You can see the clock is about to run out. Just spike the ball. You shouldn't have to look over there and figure out, is it Morris? Is it the grad assistant? Is it, you know, you see the clock rolling down. You don't have time to run anything. You've been a quarterback since you were probably in at least junior high, if not earlier. I mean, spike the ball. Stop the clock. That's, I mean, that's just elementary stuff. You know, on the positive side, and I, I took this position on Saturday, and I still take it. I I think, despite the way we played, defense played well. I think that game, if it's if it ends up twenty nine to six or twenty six to six, are we having the same reaction? And here's how I get there: I, the before the half was inexcusable, but let's say we play it even halfway competently we get three there we probably get three when circle throws the interception on the drive before that's six points left on the field i think their touchdown was the flukiest fluke 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 i mean fourth and whatever 24 and he throws it over the hands right over the fingertips of like two of our guys to to score defense you know, played well enough for that to be a pretty in-control game. So I guess my question is to both of you, if it, if the score is 26 to six final 29 to six, are you 
worried like we all are tonight. A little bit, yes. And and maybe not as, as much, but yes, still a little bit. And it's you know, and, and I agree with everything that the that, that folks who've been positive about the win have said in social media this week. It's always good to win. Our defense did look improved. We look much better at wide receiver. But but the, with the fans like me who were a little bit down, we, we, man, we, we're on board. We just want some hope. We just want some hope that, that you know, this is going to be an offensive team. This is not going to be a team that's going to roll out the number two, three-ranked defense in the SEC. We've, we're going to have to win with offense. And, and it's just – we just need something to give us hope. And it's just not there yet. Um, you know, yeah, you can – you can find positives like, like Pat, Patrick just did, you know, but, but for two 50 yard field goals. And the, like you say, the flukiest of fluke touchdowns when we had backups in the game um, on fourth down, I, I mean, I, that, that was not a bad performance by the defense. Our special teams, they didn't do anything but fair catch stuff. So I don't know. Uh, we didn't have any massive breakdowns. We hit a couple field goals. Uh, you know, there's things and our wide receivers, like I said, are very, uh, they seem to be much quicker. Uh, they're young, but they do have talent. But the big glaring thing to me that is just going to ha- that our offensive line and our quarterback play. Yeah, we only gave up one sack, but our plays were breaking down. There's a reason, other than Hicks' accuracy, he was 13 of 28. I mean, there were certain times after about two seconds he was having to scramble and get out of the pocket. Which, you know, if you do that, you've cut down half the field, you've cut down your accuracy, you've cut, you have like to break off routes. You know, that's hard to do with young wide receivers. So, I mean, I can find positives. I'm not going to, I'm not ready to totally sell this team. But like Jimmy G said, if we get into the next couple games and a lot of these issues are still there, it's caused a real, real alarm. Now, something I will say this. We, 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 you can see the schedule, and you can see we have Ole Miss in two games that we will be favored at home. I, I, I'd almost like to have that performance of 20 to 13 than if we'd come out and rolled Portland State, had 600 yards rushing, and won 60 to 3. You know what I'm saying? I, I think we'll have our full attention this week. Um, for the, if the, the fans might be a little bit frustrated, but I think it's probably good for the team. Does that make sense? I think so. Gee, I want to get your thoughts on that same question. I forgot what the question was. It was basically if you if the score was 26-6, oh. you know, are you okay with it or you still think there's concern? Well, I mean, that was my point when I said if this is still happening, you know, after four games, <laughs> it's time to worry. But right now, you know, you talking about the first game stuff, I'm not – I'm not incredibly panicked over this. Um, it's just like uh, Johnny you know, mentioned, you know, there's some positives you can take away. And also there are some things that like clearly the most glaring weakness and Johnny just alluded to is the offensive line. And uh, I'm going to guess Portland state may have the worst defensive line or front seven we're going to see all season. So um, yeah, it's concerning. And our offensive line was really bad last year and we're still not very deep there. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really heard much more is what what Cap's situation is. The only one I really heard about was Gerald being out for the year, but and that's on defense. But I don't really don't know what Cap's uh, availability is for this weekend or in the first coming weeks. Uh, if anybody knows, uh, fill us in. But um, so yeah, that's the. I think we there's some good things for we can. I mean we. 
had Craddock stuck to it, I think we could have even controlled the clock even more. And just like, I know we're shuffling in and out. And I mean, we could have lined up and we could have run the ball for probably 300 yards. I think that's where Craddock was probably a little concerned about his critical of his own play calling. And um, I didn't get the uh, <laughs> stuff we were doing in the first half. Um, but, you know, again, it's the first game. Uh, I'm with Johnny. I think I sent an, I know I sent an email two or three days ago that, you know, last year we blew out Eastern Illinois and we're terrible. So maybe struggling in game one is, is not such a bad thing. And uh, I know we're not on the level of these teams, but when I was growing up and was a little kid, we'd always start the season uh, at home against Tulsa. And my mom, who's not – I mean, she knows football, but she's not like a football – she doesn't follow it like we do. Uh, every year, if, she, if we blew out Tulsa, she was like, we're going to suck this year. <laughs> she was like – she goes – she always – she goes, we're, and by suck back then for Arkansas was, you know, go 8-3 or 7-4 and four and not really be a factor in the Southwest Conference. But if we had a tight game with Tulsa, she was like, all right, we're good. And usually those years were the years we would go to a big bowl game or, you know, win the Southwest Conference. So – um, that's always something. That Mama G of, always knows. So it's kind of stuck with me, and it's not Tulsa anymore. And clearly, uh, but you know, it's the same principle. And you know, it, I don't. I, I'm not making my point well, but I'm just not concerned about what happened Saturday. Have we lost? Yes, but you know, I'm going to base what uh, off. Not so much even Saturday night. I mean, it's it's a conference road game in game week two. Even if you're, you know, uh, accepting Alabama and maybe Georgia, you know, you're going on the road. Even Georgia, they struggled against Vanderbilt last Saturday. So, you know, you can go on the road. We've the first road game. It's going to be tough. But, yeah, this stuff's going on. Colorado State and San Jose State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to mention some highlights, fresh lowlights. There was the uh... – I believe four straight offside penalties on the live <laughs> uh, I do not think I've ever seen that in all my years watching <laughs> football. I, I, I've never seen that many consecutive offsides. Poor Chavis was about to come unglued because they kept making good plays. That was what was so funny. I mean, it wasn't the offsides guy. It was like somebody would make a sack. Offsides. He <laughs> was, was coming unglued. And then the uh, – I believe there were two punts uh, inside the five where we had multiple dudes down there covering. And yeah. so it just bounced between all of them into the end zone. Whatever you and do, think, don't catch the punt, right? I think that was what cracked me up because I looked the second one and the other guy who wasn't that close to it was doing the, hey, catch it, catch it, to the teammate who just kind of watched it roll by his feet. And it wasn't like they took weird bounces or, you know, it was way squirrely sideways so he couldn't get it. No, it bounced at like the seven and just sort of lazily tumbled past him. (laughs) (laughs) It was, that was cracking me up because it was just like, oh, what do we do now? Well, on the policies on the special teams, Limpert, man, he's it looks like his legs got stronger. He was he was really getting the leg into the ball on his two field goals and on some a lot of his kickoffs. I I, I think he I think I think he's going to be pretty solid for us this year. Yeah, we'll probably need him. Yeah, um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that's a sign of a great team. You're saying, well, our kicker is going to be great. 
Um, I do want to get Jimmy G's thoughts about the switch out to Sarkle late in the second quarter. Well, I expected him to play, and I assume they were going to – I mean, I assume they thought going into the game we were probably going to win by four or five touchdowns, and he'd play, you know, uh, but they didn't want to play him in blowout time. So I think they thought we were still probably going to end up pulling away, and they decided to get him some snaps And uh, in the second quarter. I don't have any issue with it. I, I think Hicks probably expected him to play. Um, I know – I think Boyd had some comments about they didn't know he was coming in at that time, but I think they knew he was going to come in at some point. So – uh it's okay. It was just, I mean, I think it was just bad timing because he just happened to throw a pick on his first pass. I was like, hey, what's happening here? But then, you know, his next drive, he completed three straight passes. So um, I didn't have an issue with it. And then I, he didn't play at all in the second half. If I'm, yeah, so. I don't think he did. I didn't, he didn't. I he, didn't. he didn't. So, um, it, felt, it felt wrong to me. And I, I guess I was kind of setting up the question a little bit. I, I didn't like it. And they kind of, you know, the announcers did a pretty good job of saying, well, we, we said we'd see him. This kind of feels like the drive when they might put him in. I'm like, man, we were kind of running the ball good. We had a little bit of a good flow. I mean, you know, let him come out at halftime maybe and, and take the first drive, especially if we're up by like 20 points. I just like that better than trying well, it, it, to see Okay, but the, the fact that he came in then and then did not – and then had one more drive, that ended badly, and then we didn't see him again, it tells me that they didn't have the intention of really playing him until we got kind of out of hand. Because I thought when they brought him in, well, I think it was 10-3, to 3, and we had just mowed down the field a couple times, I think our, our, our staff, I think, kind of in a rookie move, thought, oh, we, this, we got this in hand. We're, we're, we're mowing down the field on them. It's time to bring him, him in. And, and then it – Kind of went south on him, on us, and and we really didn't see him. In, we didn't see him in the second half. So, I don't know. I agree with 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 with, with Patrick. It was uh, it, if you're going to play him, play him. If, if you're, it, you know, don't don't. It seemed obvious to me that 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 you know they really only had intentions of playing him in when they felt the game was at hand. And I thought they were a little bit presumptuous thinking the game was at hand at ten three. Yeah, I mean. It felt like, hey, one more good drive and and we'd be okay. I, that's why I didn't like it. I thought, you know, especially the way we were running the ball, that that was what bothered me more. Was, hey, don't don't screw this up. Don't make a change. Don't. We're kind of getting into a bit of a groove. We're, we're starting to look okay. You know, I don't know. It, it just didn't feel good to me at the time, and then was borne out. Well, I don't think that I, – I don't disagree with that. My point is, we're not going anywhere this year. Who cares if Hicks plays another down? We could still go three and nine if he starts and takes every snap. Starkville's going to be here next year. So I don't understand what the point is of having a – like or Kelly Bryant in Missouri. It doesn't make sense to me if you got team – because they're on probation. That's a different situation. They can't go to a bowl game. But um, who cares if Hicks plays every snap? We're not going. We're not going to do anything this year of relevance. So, I would rather go with a guy that's going to play. Not talking about for the second series. I'm talking about for the long term. I would rather see Starkle play and like get game reps to learn the offense, than see Hicks go out there. And I don't think it's going to. It may make one difference in wins. Instead of if that's a bowl game, then I'm dead wrong. 
if it means five and seven versus six and six. I don't think that's what this means. I think it's either three and nine versus four and eight or something like that. So I, read that, that. I hadn't even considered that. That's a real good point. I hadn't really, really thought about that. But. I think Jimmy G's exactly right. And I think what our record becomes is going to be the big, biggest determination of who's playing quarterback. Isn't that what you're kind of saying, Jimmy G? I mean, if yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think if we if if we're you know four and one, and we got you know seven games left, or or we four, start four and zero, oh, which is possible if we can if we can win this weekend, I, I think we'll continue to see some some of the hicks because we want to get that bowl game, get the extra practices, show improvement. But if if we if we go if we go you know start. You know, if we go three and five or something, I bet you'll see Starkle come in, come in and finish out the season. I think you might see him even before then. I mean, it's look. I don't know a lot about Hicks. I know they talk about how great he was at SMU. Um, their record wasn't that great, uh, but um, I, Starkle has clearly got more upside. Um, so I don't. I get that he doesn't quite know the offense as well as Hicks, but I mean, Hicks didn't. And it's the offensive line has a big part of it. I get that, but I don't. Hicks didn't show me anything that like he's going to be a world beater here. And you know, maybe it was just game one, so I could be wrong. But I, I just rather see Starkle. But if we're four and zero, of course we're going to see a lot of Hicks because they are going to want to get to six wins. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and 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 that, and I agree that and I'm not even saying that's a dumb move. I I mean. It's it's really important for recruiting. It's important to get those extra practices, extra practices, because we are so young. And you know, with the limitations on practice, I mean, you know, you hear coaches say it all the time. And yeah, some of it's coach speak, but some of it's legit. You know, you're not your senior, your fourth, your fifth year senior is not going to be tearing it up in bowl practices because you know you pretty much know what he can do. But if you got young players, it you got to have it, man. You, that's 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 like an extra camp. No, you're 100% right. That, that's all really good points. I didn't, hadn't really thought through all that. But um, We'll see. Hopefully we have to have that discussion later in the year and it actually matters. Um, all right, let's look ahead to Ole Miss just, just briefly. Uh, Ole Miss, 15 to 10 losers to Memphis um, over the weekend. I frankly don't think that means a thing for our game. I think – as we talked about on last week's show, Memphis is pretty good. Um, you know, I, I don't know that you can just automatically assume that Ole Miss is a terrible team. I know they're not great. It's probably the easiest SEC game on our schedule. Um, but as always, Oxford can either be a, a wonderful place for us to go or a terrible place for us to go. So, uh, Jimmy G, to you first. Outlook for the Ole Miss game? Well, you know, it's first conference road game, so you got to take that into uh, account. And then, um, you know, the, their game against Memphis, I mean, Memphis is better than Ole Miss and they're better than us. So, I mean, that's not uh, – it's not like, you know, 10 years ago where, you know, it was Memphis with 2-10 and 10 every year. And so uh, – I. I don't know. I mean, you can take a little bit. I mean, their defense was really impressive because Memphis is pretty high-powered offense was supposed to do a lot of good things, and they um, held them to 15 points. Now, some of that was 
you know, Memphis, I think, got a touchdown call back on a penalty and just kind of shot themselves in the foot a couple times. But, you know, Ole Miss's defense played well. Their offense, uh, on the other hand, was uh, pretty anemic. And uh, so that that's good. I mean, though their quarterback is uh, didn't have much passing. He is a, a he could be a running threat. Um, so you know, we we had a little problem with uh, containment on the Portland State quarterback. We got good pressure, but a lot of times he'd get around that he'd get the edge uh, for some scrambles. So uh, need to shore that up. Um, I hope we see a lot more of you know. Like I think John even alluded to it, like what's our philosophy on offense? I hope we see a lot more running. I think that's something we can do well if the coaches will stick to it. It's hard though for guys that have the kind of attack that Craddock and Morris want to run um, to just stick with that because they, I mean, they do like going up tempo. They do like you know getting the ball, you know, out quick and a lot of people, a lot of different people's uh, hands making things happen. But I think. For this team right now, it might be better just to stick with the run. Uh, so, I, I think it's going to be a fairly – I'd say this. It looks like it might be a fairly low-scoring game. but So, of course, it'll probably end up being like the 45 to 42. But it looks like it's a low-scoring game. I think turnovers are – and God forbid, maybe special teams will decide. <laughs> oh, no. Kiss <laughs> of death. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you're forgetting about uh, our leg Connor Limpert, apparently. He's going to be bombing. <laughs> 70-yard field goals all day. Well, it happened last time. in field position, but, yeah. It, it, it happened last time we went to Oxford. That's yeah, true. Uh, Johnny, to you, your your thoughts on Ole Miss and what we could expect to see this weekend? Really agree with Jimmy G. Um, expect a low-scoring game. Um, one of the things I was struck by in that Memphis uh, Ole Miss game was the um, – uh, the inability of both teams to establish the run, uh, and it was kind of a it was more of a defensive struggle, which is kind of not what you'd expect uh, in the last five years with these teams, with Norvell's teams, and I know there's a lot of transitions, Ole Miss, a lot of changes, but uh, the last couple of years they had a pretty high powered offense. Even last year they struggled, but moved the ball considerably uh, against a lot of teams. So, kind of a weird deal. I think he's he's right on. Uh, I think which team can establish that running game is going to have the upper hand. Uh, you know, Memphis, they didn't really just go lights out and run football either, but I'd say they ran a little bit better than Ole Miss, more more efficient. Uh, so I think if we can establish the run, uh, it, it'll really help us a lot. I, you know, you know, is it Coral or Corral? Is that, is that Ole Miss? Uh, I, yeah, I, it's like C. It's spelled like Corral, but I don't know how you pronounce it. They kept saying the ESPN guys. No, uh, they kept they kept calling it Coral. I just assumed it was yeah. Corral. Anyway, so, but uh, but you're right. You know that little quarterback from Portland State, and he broke contain. It's like we had him wrapped up, and he kind of squatted down and broke contain. So uh, yeah, we got to get that short up. You know, uh, keep keep the quarterback in the pocket as much as we can. Stop the run. You know, I, I hate to say this, but, you know, both teams are, are – I think they're both realize this is a really key game for them. You know, Ole Miss, their schedule is not going to get any easier after playing Arkansas. Uh, they start 0-2, you're going to hear the chirping in Oxford. Uh, whereas Razorbacks, you know, in, in a different way, we have to be looking at this game as super important to our schedule. Uh, if we win and get an SEC win under our belt, you know, we are looking – you know, we – yeah, God, you can't look ahead like this, but you know it, it'd be a big step towards getting to a bowl win, a bowl game. I mean, it, it, you could, 
you could, if we could win this weekend, you could look at the schedule and say, playing in the postseason could very, could very possibly happen. So, it's a big bang for both teams. It's the second week of the season. So, um, go Hogs! All right. Um, well, unless either of you has any um, sort of additional thoughts on Ole Miss, we'll we'll hold fire until the the prediction section on Arkansas. And Jimmy G, I'll turn it over to you. Take us through the picks. All right. Um, well, everybody's a little rusty out of the gates. Um, it's not a banner week. Uh, I, I was four and two. Tom was three and three, and Johnny and Patrick were two and four. Um, I think what really flipped the switch, uh, what helped me was uh, Boise's comeback to beat Florida State because um, everybody else had Florida State, so that kind of catch up. Yeah, Patrick and I both had Auburn, uh, and that game obviously could have gone either way. <laughs> um, then uh, Tom and I both had Memphis, and uh, Johnny had Memphis. Uh, Patrick had Ole Miss. Then uh, Tom uh, had North Carolina. We'd all picked South Carolina, so that was uh, the Mac Brown special. And then uh, the sleeper picks were all duds. Uh, they all <laughs> lost. Shocking. <laughs> Georgia Shocking. Tech, Patrick Williams. That was a close call. Close call. <laughs> um, Arkansas State lost to SMU. Uh, Northwestern lost to Stanford, and then uh, Coastal Carolina, valiant effort, they lost to Eastern Michigan. So um, <laughs> all losers, which that's happened. Uh, that happens frequently. Our sleeper picks. So we'll see if we can't get those uh, squared away, and maybe we can just like the Hogs have a better week too. Um, so, an interesting uh, slate of games this week. Not uh, a couple of blockbusters and then a lot of sneaky good games. And so, it uh, should be a nice, uh, enjoyable Saturday of football watching. And then uh, Saturday evening, of course, Arkansas Miss kicks off the exact same time as LSU in Texas. Um, <laughs> as usually the college football schedulers do it, Arkansas always seems to manage in a game that nobody wants to see outside of our state, obviously, I mean, Arkansas fans. <laughs> so no one around the country cares that Arkansas Ole Miss is going on at the same time as LSU and Texas, uh, except Arkansas fans who now, you know, won't be able to watch the biggest game of the day. Or will be, but maybe not be able to watch it closely. Uh, A&M's at Clemson. It's the other big game. Uh, that's a 2.30 kick. Uh, I believe ABC's got the doubleheader. I think it's A&M and Clemson and LSU and Texas, uh, if I'm – I think those games are both on ABC. Uh, yeah, isn't it uh, tennis week? So CBS doesn't have a game this weekend. Uh, ESPN carries the US Open now. Ah, so but A and M's on the road. Clemson's the home team, and LSU's on the road. So CBS wouldn't have those games. Gotcha. Because it's home team. So I still don't think CBS has a game. So I think they're gone. But uh, anyway, I think they get started next week. Uh, all right. Well. We'll uh, get to those games in a minute, but we'll start. Uh, and our old friend Born Red will be happy because we usually try to avoid his theirs games if we can, but uh, really couldn't this time. Uh, an old uh, Big Eight battle: uh, Nebraska going to Colorado. Um, the Buffs uh, had a lot of offense against the Hog opponent, uh, Colorado State. Uh, not a lot of defense, but they still won by a pretty comfortable margin. And then Nebraska is a little shaky. Uh, 35-21 win um, against the – who were they playing? 
I don't know. South, South, South Alabama. 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 Yeah, South Alabama. Right. Uh, uh, Coach Pelfrey's team. Uh, 40 minutes of hell there. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens here. The old, uh, I think this is a, I'm guessing this is a 2.30 game as well, I think. Um, Born Red may have to, uh, emergency email in to let us know if that's correct. Uh, anyway, uh, I think the Huskers are slot favorites in Boulder. So, um, it should be interesting. Yeah. Patrick Williams. Yeah, it looks like four, and a half, four or three and a half point favorites in Boulder. Tough call. I'm going to go with the Buffs, uh, the home dog um, here, just to shake things up a little bit. I agree. I didn't like the the look of Nebraska from what I saw of them, which was admittedly not much, um, but just kind of followed the score throughout the day. Uh, Colorado, you know, they still got Levinska or whatever his name is. Uh, the receiver is really, really good. Um, is Montez still their quarterback? I've watched a little bit of that Colorado-Colorado State game, but I was pretty tired. I don't remember much of it, other than they put up 52 on what I hope is a pretty hapless CSU team. So, all that said, you know, let's give the uh, the Buffaloes at home the nod here. Uh, fairly high scoring. I think Nebraska can still score, and obviously Colorado can too. Um, 40 to 35, Colorado. Johnny? Both teams kind of had a ball-hawking week. Uh, I think Nebraska had five takeaways against uh, South Alabama, and Colorado had, I think, four or five against uh, uh, against Colorado State. So uh, this maybe the team gets more turnovers, wins turnover battle that uh, are going to come out ahead here. Uh, that'll always turn the turn the tide, but I think what the the, the, the connection between Montez and Chanel, you know, I think he those guys are going to make some plays at home. The guy always got to love the home dog. Um, I think those two guys, the quarterback receiver combination there at Colorado, they make a few more plays, maybe get a turnover. I'm going to take uh, Colorado in a like I say a fairly high scoring effort, maybe a couple defensive touchdowns. These teams been taking the ball away in the first game of the season. Take the Buffs, thirty two to twenty eight. Okay. Um, well, uh, Tom Logan is uh, on assignment this evening. I think uh, Patrick Williams uh, hadn't let us know, but I'm assuming that uh, he's got Tom out doing some uh, college football 150 research for us. Uh, so, um, I didn't expect to have this, but I'm going to take Nebraska. It was not, I wasn't planning on a double up catch up here because I clearly thought other people would pick Nebraska. Um, I think that, uh, the offense will be get better. I mean, uh, the quarterback situation in Nebraska is, uh, is it Martinez? That's his quarterback is. Yeah. Um, so I think he'll have a good game and bounce, bounce back. I think they'll be a little sharper. Uh, Colorado, while uh, certainly their offense was impressive against Colorado State, um, a little worried about their defense. And, uh, I, you know, I hate going against the home dog. It's no close home dog. Um, but I think the Huskers will go in there and uh, make some big improvements from week one to week two. So, Nebraska, uh, 31, Colorado, 21. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh I think this is after dark. Uh, Stanford to USC. I believe it's a 9.30 kick on ESPN. Uh, 9 or 9.30. Uh, Stanford. 
close win over Northwestern, a low-scoring game. I believe it was 17-7 to uh, to open up the season. And then USC uh, got by Fresno State, but uh, lost uh, JT Daniels for the year with the ACL injury, their quarterback. So, um, But uh, he was starting last year when he should have still been a senior in high school, and they've got a freshman coming in. USC always seems to have a, a good young five-star or four-star quarterback. Uh, they don't mind putting in there. So uh, while it certainly appears to be a loss, I wouldn't uh, rely on USC's quarterback uh, being a big hindrance to them. They usually always have somebody ready to go there. And Graham Harrell, their offensive coordinator this year, I think uh, they'll be okay at that position. Though I do feel bad for Daniels. You know, first game of the year, you go out with an ACL. It's never probably always no fun to have your whole season over right when it started. Um, I'm going to take... Uh, I'm going to take USC. Uh, I almost, last week, uh, had USC as my national sleeper team, but then I thought that might be cheating a little bit because it's USC. Uh, so I took their cross-town rivals, UCLA, and that's already blown up in my face. Um, so good, good good job by me. Um, but I like USC to get by Stanford. I don't think Stanford's as good as they've been in the past. And USC is kind of my – pick to win this Pac-12 this year. So, even though the Pac-12 North is obviously a little stronger than the South. But I'll take USC to win this one. Um, oh, 20 to 16. USC. Patrick? Yeah, I'm, I'm going the other way on this one. Picking Stanford. And I just can't do it with uh, the uh, quarterback having gone down with, with USC. Obviously, questions on Clay Helton um, generally in the, the trend of USC. Just his, I think his general personality. The, the, gen, the, general demeanor. The, the cut of his gym. <laughs> Just not my not my favorite coach. Um, you know, <clears throat> Stanford is what Stanford always is, kind of going to beat you up. I'm bigger than you. 20 tight end offense. Um, <laughs> You know, I think it just doesn't set up well for USC, even though they are favored at home. Uh, I'm going to pick the Cardinals. Probably kind of a side knocker, not much offense for a Pac-12 game. And so, you know, that probably equates to 28-20 Stanford. Johnny? Really good points on JT Daniels, but let's not forget KJ Costello took a head injury against Northwestern. I don't know his status right now. He I know he was questionable earlier this week, so both teams may have backup quarterbacks in the game. Therefore, um, obviously those teams have got talent behind those those players, but uh, you know I think the uh, it won't be necessarily a one sided thing with with quarterbacks having some some, some injury issues. So, therefore, I'm going to take Stanford. I, I think they can just kind of ugly out a win uh, in a little better fashion than USC can, especially if both teams um, may feel limited or not comfortable in, in, in allowing their, their offenses to stretch or to do anything kind of kind of out of the ordinary. So, I think you'll see a pedestrian uh, offense. Well, I mean, you usually see a pedestrian offense out of Stanford, but – I think both teams will, will say, okay, you know, let's dumb this down. Let's just play in the trenches and let's just try to keep it close and win the end. And that's kind of Stanford's – that's kind of their jam. So uh, I just think the game is going to boil down to kind of be played on, on Stanford's turf. Uh, I think they stink out a win 20-14. to 14. Okay. Uh, now we've 
move into the two big games that were previously mentioned. Uh, first up, A&M at Clemson. A&M is probably going to be the – well, probably. I'd say almost a near certainty is going to be the highest-ranked team that Clemson uh, faces all season. So, uh, just from a ranking standpoint, this may be Clemson's biggest game. Uh, but, again, they're 17 to 17.5-point favorites, depending on where you look, uh, which says something – I don't know if there's – either about how good Clemson is or about how uh, quick the drop-off is after you get past the top four or five teams in the country. Because um, A&M's ranked 12th right now. So uh, it should be an interesting battle. This game was really close in College Station last year. A&M uh, failed on a two-point conversion late inside a minute that would have tied that game up. Uh, it was Kelly Bryant's last hurrah. He kind of saved <laughs> bacon there in the second half. Uh, when he'd been splitting time with Trevor Lawrence and uh, Bryce, the one that pulled that game out for him. And then uh, that next week, uh, Lawrence was put in as a starter. So uh, should be an interesting game. Uh, 2.30, that maybe helped. Maybe not 11 a.m. kick, but it is an afternoon kick, so not in uh, not a night game there. But they'll probably still load up the buses and drive around the opposite side of the field and run down <laughs> the rock and do all that hoopla. So, uh any, and the Aggie Corps should feel right at home in rural South Carolina. So it'll mm-hmm. uh, be uh, good there. So uh, anyway, A&M at Clemson. We'll go right to you, Johnny. You know, you, you made a good point. You forget that A&M played them off their feet last year and had a chance to, to, to get that to overtime, um, maybe, maybe win the football game. Of course, you know, after that, you made mention solidifying Lawrence and behind a quarterback. They, you know, uh, Clemson just skyrocketed. Um, you know, you also made mention, you know, I did my, doing my show prep since I knew this was going to be the one of the games we picked, uh, Clemson wins this game. They're playing for national title. Probably. I mean, unless it would take a, a, they have Syracuse, I think either next week or the following week, uh, Syracuse. I mean, they're really improved, especially offensively, but you know, no world beater, but Clemson's got, I mean, they're, they're smooth sailing to, to the national championship game. And if you look at their schedule, they don't have another ranked opponent. I don't don't quote me on this, but I think I read they don't have another ranked opponent on their schedule the rest of the year. So, I mean, of course that can change, but uh, you know, right now it looks pretty smooth sailing. Got to take Clemson here. I, I mean, a lot. I like you know Jimbo Fisher's got them moving in the right direction. Seem to have a lot more mental toughness, uh, a lot more. You know, come to a shock. You know, Kevin Sumlin seemed a lot better coached, seemed a lot more uh, disciplined, seemed a lot less uh, uh, sniping, a lot less. It seems like a lot, little bit less drama around A and M. They just they get great players, um, but I just think this is a tall order. I think this is going to be a tough one to them to go on the road uh, and play Clemson and beat Clemson. Uh, I, I'm going to take the uh, Tigers and uh, book their ch- their ticket to the national championship game. Tigers final score, 38-24. Yeah, I, I like Clemson as well. And if if they win this game, which they certainly should, uh, even if they lost one more game, even though their schedule's not tough, I think they still get the benefit of the doubt. So there's no chance they're losing two games. Um so I agree with Johnny that uh, they win this game. Uh, they play Syracuse next week because I just looked at the schedule. So that's the I think that's the primetime game because the next week's schedule is really kind of soft. Um, so yeah, they're at Syracuse, which um, 
I still don't think that you know they always seem to struggle with Syracuse, but usually it's because they're not <laughs> really up. They don't care. <laughs> but now that since that's the only ranked opponent left on their schedule after this week, I'm pretty sure they'll they're figuring this is their season. A and M, then Syracuse, and then they can coast until and they won't. I mean that's that you don't build the championship mindset by coasting, you know, for the whole season. But I mean, as far as fans are concerned, as far as what they'll probably do, they probably will coast. So uh, I like Clemson. A and M will probably be playing well for a half. I I don't think A and M is as good as they were last year. I think Jimbo's got a lot of lot more talent coming in, but I think they lost enough that I think it's two three years down the road where the Jimbo Fisher is really going to uh, the talent level to match <laughs> the toughness and uh, mental stability they've got. So uh, Clemson thirty five. A and M, oh, 10. Patrick. Yeah, I mean, I'm tempted to to go the other way. I just no, you're I not. picked again. No, I'm really not. You're right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I picked against Clemson last week. Big mistake. Learned that lesson. Um, you know, I, I'm more not necessarily more. I'm I'm almost as intrigued by this game as I will as I am by the next game I'm sure we're about to discuss. I think A&M's going to give them a game. I think it'll be for more than half, half. I think into the third quarter, maybe even into the fourth, it'll be a, a one score or, or perhaps 10-point game, and then Clemson pulls away late. So uh, I'm going to say 35-23 Clemson. Oh, good. I hope that's the case because I think that's the – well, I don't know. It, it, Nebraska and Colorado at 2.30, but clearly, yeah, A&M and Clemson is the biggest game. This so I hope it is that close. Uh, all right, here we go. LSU at Texas. Um, LSU, you know, really dominating performance against Georgia Southern, who everyone always kind of, oh, they run the triple option. You know, it's sneaky. But, you know, as we all know, the best time to face triple option teams is the first game of the year in a bowl game. Well, you've got, <laughs> you've got plenty of time to prepare for them, and you're not like, you know, there's nothing – you know, you're not facing air raid offenses for six weeks, and then here comes a triple option and back to air raid offenses. So, uh, but then they're off their new look offense, uh, which they always promise every year. Uh, they actually ran one this time. <laughs> uh, they opened it up, threw the ball a lot more, and um, they even, and of course, uh, where I'm at, I, I listen to a station out of Monroe and Ruston, so I get a lot of LSU sports news, and they're, uh, they always have the beat riders from LSU on every week, and they were talking about how it was different, and that uh, I don't know if it was Orgeron or the offensive coordinator, or maybe it was Orgeron relaying the offense. They basically showed their whole playbook, and they said they wanted to show everything they had, which is the opposite of what we said, um, because they didn't want te- they thought Texas now they has to prepare for everything, so they basically showed everything in their playbook and said, "Look, here's what we run. Here's all it is. Can you prepare for all of this?" So. Um, and that, that's probably a mark of a really good program that's doing things like that. Um, so, uh, Texas, Ellinger, obviously a Heisman candidate. They looked really good last year against Georgia, um, in the Sugar Bowl. And of course they beat Oklahoma during the regular season. So, uh, Herman's got things going in a good direction there. This should really be a great game. Uh, I will have this on in some form or fashion, it's the second TV set up or, on the computer or something just so I can keep an eye on it. Um, but 
I'm going to go first, so I'm not getting accused of doubling up your catch-up, but I've got an old maximum. Beware the team that looked too good in week one. And that was LSU. I like that maximum. That's a good maximum there. Yeah, beware the team that looked a little too good in week one. You know, that's that's kind of an NFL thing. The teams that look great the first Sunday of the season usually throw eggs out the second Sunday of the season. So I'm going to say that with LSU. And LSU, I mean, Texas was – they weren't threatened by Louisiana Tech, but they didn't exactly, you know, come out guns a-blazing. So, uh, similar to Arkansas with Portland State, um, I like Texas in this game. I think they're going to jump up and get LSU. I think LSU is feeling their oats and thinking they're uh, a national title uh, contender, and which they will be if they win this game. And they're certainly capable of winning this game. Um, and I may come to regret this at halftime when they're just – if they're pummeling Texas. But I, I think Texas has got a really good shot here. And I think Ellinger makes the difference in the fourth quarter. And maybe a little uh, – the old Coach O uh, from his old Miss, maybe some clock management issues. Uh, of course, I know that was more or less Miles Forte. But uh, I like Texas in a really tight game, 27-24. Uh, to 24, Late, the Longhorns get it done. Patrick? Yeah, I, I like your beware the team that looked too good in week one. That, that's good. I think the real question for me is, do you believe in Joe Burrow yet? And uh, I don't. Um, and, but I don't know that I believe in Texas enough to to win this game. And I know that's hard to say after they kind of broke out last season, beat Georgia. Um yeah, going back and forth on this one. I'm going to pick LSU. I don't feel great about it, um, but I like the Tigers to go on the road and get this done. Score could be pretty much anything. It could be a high-scoring game, low-scoring game. I don't have a good feel for that. I'm going to go moderately low, 28-26 uh, LSU. Ah, Johnny. <clears throat> I can't can't argue with any of the analysis so far. I do think this will be a pretty competitive game, but it just seems to me, you know, that that I think there's a higher chance that LSU can make Texas one dimensional. Um, you know, Texas had been dinged up a little bit, and their running back core um, struggled really to establish the run at times against Louisiana Tech. Boy, you know, we've seen LSU all these years. You know, if they want to line up and stop the run, make you one-dimensional, they can do it. So I think what's going to happen in this game is that's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to line up. They're going to neutralize Ellinger's scrambles, make him beat him with his arm, uh, probably get after him a little bit, uh, maybe get some turnovers, uh, and and really really make Texas have to throw the ball instead of, you know, throwing it when they want to. Uh, And on the flip side, I think that, uh, you know, I think – they, I don't think LSU ran the ball. I think Jimmy G said earlier that, that LSU probably didn't run the ball as much as they could have against Georgia Southern. They wanted to kind of establish what they can do on, bo- on uh, both ways of moving the football, throwing and, uh, and running. So I, I think LSU is going to have more options on offense, and I think their defense is going to make Texas one-dimensional, um, take away their run, maybe get some turnovers. I'm going to take uh, LSU. Final score, 31-24. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, 
Yeah, I was going to roll uh, to, oh, yeah, Arkansas at Ole Miss. So, <laughs> uh, I've lost my place. I was looking at my list of sleeper games. I was like, wait, we've left out a game. Yeah, the game, <laughs> the reason we're doing the show, Razor Pod. Um, Arkansas at Ole Miss. Uh, we've already set the, we've done the preview. We've set up the importance and the stakes. So, uh, let's get, uh, let's get right into it uh, with uh, Patrick Williams. Uh, tempted to go hogs, but uh, head over heart. I'm gonna pick Ole Miss. I just don't think we can get it done on the road in the SEC. We're not there yet, and they're not as bad as they looked last week. Um, Ole Miss 31, hogs 21. I'm sorry, we, I need to have a field goal this score, so let's go 17. Okay, yeah, you gotta get Limpert in there, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna go. Uh, I, I think these are two evenly matched teams. I think this game, uh, if Arkansas was a home team, I'd probably go with the Hogs. Uh, going on the road, especially this early in the season, that's just that's a tough ask. Even that, even an Ole Miss is not very good. I, they're not gonna win. I mean, they'll be lucky to get six wins as well. Um, so, I, but I'm gonna take Ole Miss here. I think they do just enough, and I do think we play a little better than we did last week, but going on the road, you know, turnover here, you know, a, a botch, you know, a bad punt or something, just something will probably make the difference. And I'll say Ole Miss, uh, 23, the Hogs, oh, 13, and maybe Ole Miss scores late to make it 10. So, which, all right, and uh, as it is tradition, uh, since Tom's not with us this evening, um, Johnny, is sponsored pick segment is the Anchors to Hogs pick. Uh, I don't know who our sponsor is, Patrick, this year for Johnny's uh, Razorback pick, uh, but uh, maybe it's uh, Bold Vision. Give, it's Jimmy give Dean Sausage, our, isn't it? Jimmy Dean Sausage. Uh, Jimmy Dean Sausage. You mean, oh, good. I love it. You mean, you mean beside for StreamYard, of course. Uh, yeah. well, StreamYard. Our, yeah. But like whoa, the whoa. We, we have a late ad. Oh, welcome, Tom Logan. Oh, Tom oh. Logan in the house. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's good to be sorry, here. Johnny and Jimmy Dean, you've got a Jimmy Dean. Go back for a minute. We've got, we've got Tom Logan's Arkansas Ole Miss pick and maybe some analysis here. Oh, well, I mean, I know I know our uh, little, uh, little listeners are dying to hear the analysis um, of the Portland State game. Um, I'm sure you all touched on everything. It was a uh, – Oh, it was a, I guess, I don't know if I would say disappointing because I was expecting so little. However, I certainly thought we would have a little easier time than we had. Uh, it seemed like our passing game is still struggling in large part because of the offensive line. Uh, the running game uh, was decent, although I think that's more attributable to uh, to Boyd, who is who's really turning into a and an excellent SEC running back uh, than uh, than much else. I think Whaley averaged maybe you know a little over two yards of carry, but Boyd was the bell cow. Particularly at the end of the game, we just started feeding him, and uh, we moved the ball effectively later, there toward the end of the game. But uh, you know, uh, you know, as Chad Morse would say, you you don't want to apologize for a win, and given that that's only the third one in the last. Uh, uh, 13 months, 
Um, I guess we we don't want to apologize for it, but certainly gives you some concerns for the future. Anyway, okay. that's my analysis. All right. What about your pick? Uh, I'm going to take Ole Miss. I think uh, it's uh, it's too too big a leap for um, for us to go down to Oxford. They're going to have they're going to have played a pretty tough and competitive game against Memphis um, last week, which they lost. They are going to be. You know, I'm certain that they've had this game circled as probably the most important game of the year, like many of our fans have uh, for this, for Arkansas. And uh, I just think it's a lot to ask this team with as many young players as we have, an offensive line going into probably what will be a you know pretty decent environment <clears throat> to uh, to pull it off. So I, I'm going to take I'm going to take Ole Miss. I think it's I don't think there's going to be a lot of offense. Um, maybe not because of the defense, but just because of the ineptitude of the two offenses. I um, think it'll be fairly competitive for that reason, but I ultimately think Ole Miss probably wins 20-10. to 10. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, all right, now it's Jimmy Dean. Sponsored Johnny Fable hog pick. Oh boy, Every, who doesn't love to wake up to a nice big plate of Jimmy Dean sausage in the morning? Boy, I know I sure do. <laughs> nothing like waking up to nothing like waking up to sizzling, uh, sizzling a skillet of bacon and or, or sausage sausage rather in the morning. You smell a coffee brewing. Come on, <laughs> Jimmy Dean's gonna fire us right after we started bacon. Sorry, I had bacon on the brain, <laughs> but yeah, some Jimmy Dean sausage cooking and have a cup of coffee in the morning, getting ready for game day. That just says mom apple pie and sausage, doesn't it? I love. Hey, now, now you're supposed to sing the jingle. <laughs> I don't even know if I know it. John, John, good old country day. Oh, it's a, oh yeah, it's good old country. Okay. Johnny, do you prefer the sage flavor or oh, I like the hot the or the I like mild? The, I like the original. I, I just like the original. Thank just, you. Uh, yeah, just original. I don't need any extra sage or anything like that. Just the original you buy at Sam's uh, by the tube, a three foot long. I, that's what I. That's what I like. <laughs> that's a good morning right there. That's a good morning. <laughs> That's three right. feet of sausage. That's right, right before you go for a, for a three mile run. <laughs> anyway, but uh, you know, when you, when, I'm going to break this game down on some different terms, okay? Because to me, one of the things that I thought was is the real earmarkings of a, of a coach with staying power, ability, uh, and and who's really got that intangible is how mentally tough their teams are. Um, you look at some of the teams around the nation. Yes, they're very talented, Alabama, uh, Clemson, but they're extremely mentally tough. And I remember going back in, in, in years past here, Houston could get his teams to be mentally tough at times. Petrino was able to, to have his teams be mentally tough, probably through, through being scared of him, but, but their teams were mentally tough and won games that were winnable. Bielema was really bad at that. His teams were extremely fragile. They they imploded at the first sign of of difficulty or adversity. 
So I think this game this weekend is a real, to me, a real litmus test about Chad Morris uh, on that on that issue. That to me, a really one of the most important underrated things that a coach can do, which is to motivate and get his guys to be mentally tough. Because guys, this is a winnable game. This is a winnable game, and <clears throat> sometimes games like this, where both teams may not have the best offense, may not have the best defense, they just come down to who's mentally tough and who can roll with a punch who can take a punch and give one right back. I think this is all between our guys' ears. I think this is a mental game for the Razorbacks. I think it's a mental game that we that, that's a test we have not passed under Morris, a bar we've not chinned. But I think we do it this weekend. I, I think <coughs> I think <coughs> I think the Hogs find a way. We just you know, we're, we're in a, a close game in the second half. And maybe it's a fluky play, maybe it's something, something strange. But we find a way to win, uh, and 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 this team gets a big boost of much needed uh, confidence. So I think the Hogs are going to pull it out in the end, twenty to seventeen, uh, and Morris gets his first SEC win. Ooh. Boy, let's hope Johnny's got that one right. Um, we the sleeper picks. Let's get Tom's picks real quick. Uh, Tom, Nebraska <coughs> Colorado. What was it? I'm sorry. Nebraska at Colorado. Um, Nebraska. Uh, I think uh, I think they've uh, I think they've got a little good thing going, and I don't think they're ready to give it up quite yet. Although they will later in the season. I'm, I think Nebraska goes to uh, Boulder and uh, and wins twenty four twenty. All right, Stanford at USC. Uh, man. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with Stanford. Uh, they win it in a slugfest, fourteen ten. A and M at Clemson. Uh, Clemson just too good for A and M. A and M's got a lot of talent. Uh, Clemson is not going to be surprised by them this year like I think they were a little last year in College Station. Tough to go into Death Valley. Clemson has it rolling right now in every way. I think uh, I think they win uh, comfortably 48-21. to 21. And LSU at Texas. Interesting matchup. Um you know, LSU looked great in their first week. Texas uh, won as well. Uh, both top ten game teams, teams that um, a win here can do a lot for their playoff resume. A loss here doesn't eliminate it, especially if you're uh, if you're Texas. Uh, but you know, it is a you know, you drop this game, and you know, if you're Texas, you got Oklahoma sitting out there. Don't have a lot more room for error. <laughs> Same way with LSU. Yeah, they've got to, they they really both teams really need to win this game to give themselves an opportunity to you know drop a game and still be playoff bound. This I'm really this is this is a this is a great non conference matchup. Um, I, I just I think LSU is just a little too talented right now. Um, I don't think Texas is quite ready, although they're certainly on the improve. I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with LSU in a in a in a very good game, 
seven. All right. So we got all the picks in now, except uh, our vaunted sleeper picks. Um, Tom, you missed the first of the show when we found out we went over on our sleeper picks last week. So uh, <laughs> big, big, big surprise. And also no sponsor for the sleeper pigs because of that. So uh, <laughs> we, we were going to get right brand bacon. No, <laughs> oh, uh, thick cut. Thick cut. Oh, so delicious. It so. is good. Uh, always great on those uh, famous summer BLTs that uh, Johnny likes to make. Oh, mm, love, <laughs> love them. He loves them. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Let's uh, maybe Duke's mayonnaise sponsors our sleeper oh. pig. We, we can dare to dream that. Uh, Dukes, uh, Good people at Dukes. I would love a big tub of Dukes. Uh, Razor Pod has to pay Duke to be on their show. You could dip that three pounds, three foot length of sausage into the Dukes. I think we just earned ourselves the explicit tag. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, uh, quickly to the sleeper picks. Um, so who's got one? There's a lot of great options out there. Like I've got dogs. I, I've got one. I got a home dog. I'm going out to the valley. I'm Ooh. going out to the valley. Fresno. 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 Oh, man. Fresno. Matt Hill. Fresno. Is he? Yeah, he's dead. Um, no, he's not. Is he? Uh, oh, sorry. I don't, maybe not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, I, I, man. I, 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 I actually think Johnny might be right. I think, I think he, he is, is dead. Yeah. Yeah. I think he died pretty early. Really? Yeah. He's yeah. all time. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I think well, they're going to wake up the echoes of Pat Hill in the, in the Valley. They got they got Minnesota, who struggled with the, uh, the Jackrabbits from South Dakota State in their running game. You always love the home dog, don't you? Especially when you're going to the hot valley. The folks in Minnesota, they're not going to know what to do with the heat. There in the valley, uh, Fresno's uh, getting three points at home. Oh, load it up, pay for your college, pay for your kids' kids' college. Oh, this is a mortal lot, Fresno State. Final score, nineteen sixteen. Row that boat. Woo! Row that boat. Wow. Chop that boat. Is per, per Wikipedia, Pat Hill not dead. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> reports of his mind are greatly <laughs> What? What? Yeah, Razor Pod no. is almost breaking news for the first time ever. Yeah, Pat, well, bottom line here, I'm, sure, I'm sure Pat's thrilled to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, Pat is currently uh, a bonus points for you to know what he's currently doing. He's broadcasting Fresno State's color commentary Whoa, on nine forty a.m. Well, there you go, the voice of the valley, <laughs> Minnesota. The Gophers have no chance. Is Flex still doing that Bo Mattingly show, or is that over too? Because it's, it's, you know he did year two after Beam Burt Bielema got canceled. Or I think it's not canceled. They moved on to a new coach. So, <laughs> wow! It's just, it's just me. Just me, or has he made some really bad career choices? Which one, Bo? Oh, yeah! Didn't he do the podcast now for the U of A sports podcast? I mean, that was his ultimate ambition was to actually be a U of A employee. I mean, you could with all the friendships he had. And I, well, I'm going to save this for another. I've got something funny about him. Anyway, any other super pick? <laughs> A uh, couple of interesting things. I want to. I want a line verification. But can someone uh, check the glance culvert for me? Is Missouri really a two touchdown favorite over West Virginia? 
Yes. Uh, 12 yes. points, what I say. 12 points. I got 13 on my I side. got 14 yeah. here. So. Man. Ugh. I, I'm, I'm not going with it. I'm going to go to the Plains of Indiana, West Lafayette, to be specific. Purdue is a seven-point favorite over the SEC's own Vanderbilt Commodore. Woo, speaking of rowing the boat. Vandy uh, hanging tough with Georgia last week. A little bit of a misnomer on how good Vandy is. Purdue, Purdue, with a last-second Pac-12 outlet after dark lost to the vaunted Nevada Wolfpack. Uh, Purdue in shambles. I think Vanderbilt goes in and gets it done. Commodores, 22, Purdue, 21. Woo. Woo. Tom? Boom. Uh, you know, shoot. Uh, I guess I'm going to go with – I'm going to go with San Jose State. Ugh. Hosting Tulsa, four-point underdog. Between four and six and a half, depending on who you ask. Two, uh, two, two, two future Razorback opponents, correct? Yeah, right. I think it's going to be fun to see. I'll be watching, uh, scouting that game, of course, as we typically do on Razor Pod in the early season. Um, I, I don't know much about either squad. Tulsa uh, obviously has some history there, but have been woeful lately. San Jose State has probably been woeful for their entire career. Um <laughs> I think uh, I think I think San Jose gets it done. Game two, they're going to be fired up, ready to play, ready to win. Um, I think they win fifty-one to forty. I won't know who won this game until I'm checking to see what our records are next Wednesday <laughs> after day. I guarantee you, I won't know who won this. Game. Uh, and I did write down SJSU, so I may not actually know which game Tom picked. St. John's, right? St. John's. Yeah, St. John's. John's. Right. Red Storm. Red it's Storm. The Johnnies. The Johnnies. And 51 to 40, that's a perfect Big East basketball. <laughs> that's so, right. Um, well, I had five games written down. No one touched any of them. So, uh, I, oh, man, my favorite game I'm a little leery of now because I thought that would be the jumper. So, I'm going to go – I'm going to go to North Carolina. That's a good Home pick. Dogs. That's a good pick. After their big win over South Carolina to Miami. Uh, Miami the week off. Uh, hopefully they short up some of their offensive issues, their penalty and uh, sloppiness, because that they were, whew, that was an ugly game, but we'll chalk that up to week zero. Um, I think North Carolina can get it done, though I may be like I may be breaking my maximum of beware the team that looked good in week one, because uh, the Canes do have a really good defense. But I don't know. I just think they're going to get caught going into Keenan Stadium, or and uh, Mac Brown has said, uh, "You better be there at least thirty minutes before kickoff in your seats, ready to roll." Um, so I like the Tar Heels here, uh, home dog. I'll say it gets done. 23 to 21 uh, late field goal for the Tar Heels. And uh, I'm probably going to regret uh, Syracuse is somehow two point underdogs at Maryland. Uh, but uh, I think people think they may be looking win. ahead. I think the look ahead is maybe why they're underdogs to Maryland. But uh, I, mm, that's a tough one. Also, BYU's underdog is at Tennessee. 
That's all that one too. Just there. Um, another one I had uh, Texas State at home, underdogs to Wyoming, coming off that big win over Missouri. Maybe celebrated too much. Uh, anyway, a lot of good games out there, but uh, hopefully somebody um, gets the pod crew off the snide and we get a sleeper game home this week. Uh, but that's for the pick, Patrick. All right. Uh, thank you, Johnny. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Jimmy G. Excuse me. Uh, sorry, we just lost Tom. We'll get him back real quick. Um, all right, we're uh, on to the mailbag brought to us this week by our streaming sponsor, StreamYard. Thank you, StreamYard, for your uh, stellar services. Johnny, would you like to give StreamYard just a short uh, testimonial this week? <laughs> crystal clear this week. Just crystal clear. The last week it was just straight terrible, but uh, this 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 week, crystal crystal clear. You got to hear the dulcet tones of Jimmy G's voice, mm. uh, <laughs> the vocal stylings of Tom Logan. It's just it's just clear as a bell. It's like we're sitting right next to each other. <laughs> Welcome, like thank you, Streamyard. Thank you, Streamyard, for sponsoring the mailbag this week. Tom Logan, our mailbag overfloweth. <laughs> oh, it is really remarkable um, and thrilled uh, to have a, a listener, old listeners and new listeners uh, chiming in, chatting, talking, uh, engaging, uh, all those things that, um, that we really rely on from our, from our listeners. Um, and let me just dive, let me just dive right in. Uh, our friend, our friend Jim in Tulsa, um, once again, welcomes us back. Thank you, Jim, for your listening. Um, he he says that uh, Saturday's game was a lot of, lot of good and a lot of bad, uh, as one would expect, but uh, lots of stupid penalties um, and the quarterback situation he's still concerned about, um, Hicks, both Hicks and Starkle, frankly. Um, and, uh, but he's still, he's holding on to the rope. That's what I like about Jim and Tulsi. He's holding on to the rope. He's got faith, uh, that, uh, that Morris can, um, <clears throat> right the ship. And, uh, he still is thinking that six and six is a possibility. Um, so Jim, thank you. Thank you for writing in. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not even sure that the pod crew uh, picked um, a season last, a season record last year. Do we pick one last year? Uh, boy, I can't remember. I was drinking a lot last year. Not last year. I'm sorry. Last uh, last week. Last show. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't remember us doing actual, like, record for the year. I'll just tell you. I mean, might as well do it now. I think over under it's five wins. I think, and I think it's under. Um, what do y'all think? I'll say push. I'll say we get right through five. Yeah, I think that's right. I said, I said five early on. I'm, I'm a little – uh, concerned uh, that we may not make that, but uh, I'm gonna I'll stick with it too. Uh, well, let's go back to the mailbag. Uh, Tr- Tracy in Tulsa writes in one of our longest listeners, actually a guest host at one point in uh, Razor Pod history back before the Streamyard days. Um, 
And, uh, and Tracy in Tulsa welcomes us back. Uh, he notes as, uh, as uh, I think probably all of us have, it's good to be one and oh, right? It's good to be one and oh in the uh, SEC and also in second place in the SEC West. According to <laughs> alphabetical order, alphabetically, we are second. Um, he also notes, uh, you know, the SEC struggles. So his question to the team was, are you more or less hopeful that Arkansas can get an SEC win given the struggles of the SEC? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Patrick, what do you think? Uh, we'll, we'll find out on Saturday because I think oh, it, it, it's either this. Well, I mean, find out if we can do it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not saying we will, but I think this is a this is our shot, right? I mean, if we can't beat this team this week, we're going to struggle to to get an SEC win. Well, I think I think this is a huge opportunity, um, and uh, it's you know on paper are certainly our best chance, so. I think we will know more win or lose uh, about uh, where we're going. So uh, thanks, uh, Tracy, for writing in. Our friend Ty, uh, Ty in Fayetteville, writing on. He shout out to Johnny Fayetteville saying, I'm sure Johnny's super encouraged by week one. Uh, he wasn't quite as encouraged as he thinks Johnny was. <laughs> uh, but he does believe, as Johnny does also, that we have a legit chance of being 2-0 and and getting a long-awaited SEC win. And in fact, in fact, uh, Ty is going out on a limb saying Arkansas 28, Ole Miss 16. I picked the Hogs. Wow. I, I picked the Hogs. Yeah. I was the only one. Yeah. Not, yeah. A, not enough limpered field goals in that score. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, let's see. We also, our, uh, our friend, uh, our friend Ken wrote in as always, um, and uh, and Ken threw out a sleeper pick suggestion, and I don't think any of the uh, of the um, uh, the pod crew took it. Army over Michigan. Um, I didn't see that as one of the picks, but uh, Ken has always been a lifelong Army fan, as far as I know, and uh, he's he's sticking with it. Uh, and he notes that, you know, hey, look on the bright side. It's better to be an Arkansas fan than a Tennessee fan this year, which is uh, certainly true. And we know our good friend Stat Boy is still still upset about that. Um, do we need to do a welfare check on Stat Boy? Uh, we may <laughs> need to. Yeah, he's married now. He doesn't care. <laughs> that is true. Um. Let's see. Uh, uh, our our friend uh, Friday night guy wrote in um, one of our maybe our first ever uh, writer in, or frankly, uh, in Razor Pod history. But uh, Friday night guy wrote in for the fifteenth straight year. Good to have him <laughs> back. Um, and uh, he congratulates congratulated us on maybe the greatest Razor Pod in history. Uh, <coughs> Especially with the audio glitches, apparently I, I didn't I didn't perceive any other than we didn't have Johnny, 
<laughs> which was one glitch for sure. Um, that sounds like a shot. Right, I got Lieutenant Weinberg. Yeah, Lieutenant Weinberg. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was, I, I thought it was a little, I thought it was a little harsh. But uh, anyway, he does note that uh, both Patrick Williams' uh, prediction of a close game and Tom Logan's talented North Carolina pick were. Panned by Jimmy G, came back for a victory. Good to have uh, that one in the old register. I'm sure they talked at length about that earlier before I joined. And I'm sure Uh, Friday Night Guy also congratulated me on having the best pick record in week one. Did that go? Did did you mention that? That was not mentioned uh, in the email. I'm I'm sure that that was probably the first time it's been mentioned on the show. Uh, But... uh, um, he did not uh, mention it. And then we have a, a new listener, new listener writing in, Kirby. Kirby wrote in. Uh, she wants to participate, or he wants to participate in the uh, pick contest. Uh, well, he or she is tied for first. No. <laughs> okay. no, I also see that he or she um, missed the sleeper pick. So well, good, good. Uh, so even our guest pick, he hears, he or she is going to fit right in. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Anyway, but that you're right. The mailbag was overflowing. Uh, congratulations to uh, Kirby on a, a, a tie for first, uh, and uh, and I will look back into that Army Michigan sleeper pick and see how that goes next week. Back to you. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Tom, as always, for your yeoman service. Uh, StreamYard thanks you as well. And uh, we're on to the Rams. Jimmy G, I'm going to turn to you first as you appeared to have one sort of teed up uh, in in the wrong spot in the show. So I want to give you the opportunity to go ahead and say that now if you'd like to go ahead and process your rant. Is it the Bo Magley? Yeah, that's what I was referring to, but you certainly don't have to. Not ready. No, I just, I was just commenting on, uh, about, you know, clowning on his, uh, career decisions. And, um, yeah, who knows? It probably is working out fine for him, but, uh, it just seemed kind of odd where he's done with that. But I'm harking back and I probably laid on this. It's like Costanza with the comeback. Um, because I didn't think of it, uh, last year, but, uh, you know, he, on his radio show, when Bielam is first, second, even kind of in his third year, he kept harping on the fact that, you know, uh, all these other coaches, that are, you know, the, like Malzahn, uh, they had the quick fix. They were good in year one, but they were, you know, just quicksand. They had a quick fix. Bielen was building the foundation of something that would last. And uh, he, he really clowned on Derek Mason at Vanderbilt a lot. And that year, and I was like, you know, first of all, it's Vanderbilt. And uh, he's like making fun of, you know, how his slogans and his uh, – pregame talks and all this stuff and it just dawned on me that, that you know Bielema was the one that really didn't establish anything uh and you know left no even obviously if we had some kind of foundation he would he'd still be here right now um and pretty much left our program in shambles uh while Derek Mason is still doing you know for for Vanderbilt he's still there He's doing good work at Vandy. Uh, they've won uh, three straight games over Tennessee. I know Tennessee, that's another indictment. But, you know, that's the first time since the early 1900s that that's happened. Uh, got like Malzahn, which he's on the hot seat just because he's at Auburn. And Auburn, every coach is on the hot seat at Auburn. Um, 
even Pat Dye was on the hot seat there seemingly every year. So uh, they just got a big win over uh, Oregon. They're top 15 team this year. Um, so I, that just kind of stuff that I remember all the clowning that him and Clay Henry did on these other coaches. And I just thought that, you know, that just deserved a mention of, you know, these guys that they clowned on and just made fun of really for no reason. Just because they weren't Bielema is why they made fun of them. And now all these guys are still at their schools, still winning games, being successful, uh, even at places that should be harder to win than Arkansas, like Vanderbilt. And uh, so I just, you know, and no, and I just know, I thought that was odd that uh, how much they made fun of those guys. And, and he talked about, and you know, Bill never come out and say anything about, you know, I was dead wrong about Bielema. I mean, he just won't do it. And that's maybe why he left the show. Can I ask you a question, Jimmy G? Mm-hmm. Why do you th- why do you think that? I mean, to, to, I think to all of us in the 2016 season, it, it was pretty clear, and it didn't take until we imploded against Missouri and Virginia Tech for me to, for uh, for the team for us to be very like, what's this is we're hanging on by a thread here. And then, but then when we fell apart in those last two games, it was obvious to everybody. Is it just access, or, or they just don't know much about football? Because I don't see how you can look at that team. Let's be honest; it finished seven and six. How you saw that team throughout that season and weren't like, "There's something wrong here." There's something. Bad. I, 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 everyone like that was critical of both. Like thought it was just the access thing, and that 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 was it. I mean, because you can't. Like I'm sure that you can't as much as. Sports is Bo Mattingly has watched. He's not unintelligent about sports, but those comments that he was making about the Bielema stuff—that's unintelligent. And yeah. he's not that way. So I, clearly, it had to do with personal relationships. And you know, I'm fine with that as long as you're upfront about it. But he always tried to say that's not why he—he he always went like got angry when people would ask about that. And I think that proves to me that it was the case. Because if it's not the case, you're kind of be nonchalant about it. You just won't get like he just would like fly off the handle as soon as somebody asked it, and it had to be. And I wouldn't say the normal access that our media gets. I think he had more than just access with Coach Bielema with Bert. You know, it seemed to me like they had a personal relationship, which is fine. Again, if you disclose it, most of our media that's just terrible because they fear they won't get to ask a question in a press conference. Which, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it had to be access because yeah. you can't look at, and especially if they're looking at the talent that was here and that was left here. That, and I gotta say, Brandon Allen and Austin Allen, maybe two of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever had, because they, I mean, Brandon Allen, looking back, looks better and better. Yeah, yes. he does. You're right. Oh yeah, his his named all over our record books. If you get your media guy out, well, I think it, Austin, would, and Austin would have been just as good. But I, you know, by his by the time he got to play. The offensive line was so woeful, which was Bielema again, by the way, because um, that was the end. That Allen didn't have a chance for most of the time, and he was pretty effective for like the offensive line he had was just terrible. So, um, and I don't know. I mean, so those guys look better and better all the time. And, do you remember? Do you remember being over at Williams's house uh, on a beautiful fall evening when? We won that game like at TCU. Yes. in the middle of my history. Yeah, the overtime. Yeah, the overtime game. And it was just, it was, it was probably the last really happy moment I've had following the Razorbacks. Yeah, um, that was. But was you know what? It that was, was still the early, and it was still early in the Burt era. 
and I think it was maybe his, it was the beginning of his third year, and we had had a, a good year or a decent year um, the year before, and it just seemed like maybe we were going somewhere, and then it was just total tank city. Yes, that was that – was, because what happened, if you'll remember – the, the, we, we, we had to come back on to make a fourth down touchdown to beat Louisiana Tech the week before. People were – I was – we were saying, oh, there's problems, there's problems. Well, then we go and we beat TCU uh, on the road in, a, in miraculous fashion. And, and then really after that, it goes – it went downhill pretty fast. I mean, that – I guess the well, last – You remember that same year, that was when we had A&M down too. Mm-hmm. And well, they every came year back on it. Yeah. Right. That was the the pick with like a minute left when we were leading twenty one fourteen or something like that. That it was it was just another one of that string of gut punch losses to A and M there for a while. Yeah, that was and you know, by the end of the year the end of the year those two games, that was that same year that they Virginia Was that the Missouri and the Virginia Tech games? Yeah, yes. That was the same yes. year. Oh, geez. So uh yeah, it was it didn't take long. And then of course I mean literally the that second half of Missouri, you could pinpoint exactly when the Burt era unraveled, because that was it. That second half of Missouri, and then you compounded it with Virginia Tech, and that whole next year was just dead man walking. Except the only person that couldn't see it was Jeff Long, and that's why he got canned too, <laughs> because he evidently didn't think anything was wrong with our football program. But now he can, now he can overlord one of the worst football programs in the country, and he'll be fine. So, anyway, that took a little longer than I'm sure you planned. Sorry, Patrick. That's okay. Not a problem. It's good stuff. Anyone else have a rant they want to jump on? Okay. Uh, I'm going to hold fire for a second week in a row on mine. Uh, Again, Fansville uh, continues to annoy. However, it hasn't risen to the level of rant yet. Um, I am am upset that there is a new grill in town, however. That's not good. Um, Okay. So, done with rants. Any extra points? Any final concluding thoughts from anybody? Tom, glad you were able to join us, albeit late. Uh, your contribution is always valuable. Thank you. I was glad I was able to jump on. And I uh, want to thank the listeners again for the excessive mailbag this week. Um, just uh, makes us feel good that our hard work up here on RazorPod doesn't go unappreciated. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Patrick. Yes, sir. I meant to jump in when uh, uh, Tom was reading Ty's uh, email. I'm, I just want to let Ty know that uh, Saturday evening I uh, was at a friend's house in Springdale, and his son uh, plays basketball for Fayetteville. And uh, it wasn't quite a jersey swap, but we did a little wristband swap, my Springdale high wristband for his Fayetteville basketball wristband, and I currently have on a purple Bulldogs Fayetteville basketball wristband Whoa. right now. What? So I, I'm sure uh, Ty would be thankful to know that, and I'm almost positive that my friend's son who plays basketball at Springdale has pro- or Fayetteville has probably already thrown away the Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so uh, anyway, I thought Ty would appreciate that. All right. Good stuff, Jimmy G. Okay. 
Well, uh, that said, good show, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll be back next week with uh, a good discussion of the old biscuit. Again, thanks for joining us. Good night. Okay. Good times. All right. Good night.